yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Ben Frank Now. And this is Sunday with Stallings. Hope everybody doing pretty good on this Sunday out there in La La Land across the United States. Um, I want to give a big shout out to everybody that's been listening. We have hit over 2,000 downloads. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Stallings. Sunday with Stallings is still the number one show out there. Um, Amelia, I'm going to throw a show on either tonight or tomorrow about infertility with ladies out there. Make sure you check it out. But hope everybody doing good on this um, on this lovely, lovely, warm, hot Sunday out here in the United States, especially out west and across the United States. Um, yeah, we let's see who we are. We got Brian and Greg on today. Brian, can you hear me, sir? Yes, sir. How you doing, man? All right, man. How you feeling, brother? Pretty good. Pretty good. Got the kids with me, and uh, yeah, start my my first day of work tomorrow, so I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hey, the kids back here, they want to talk up sometimes. Don't don't shut them up. That's what it's all about, man. This is cut, uncut, <laughs> unraw. Let the kids make noise, man. So, how the kids doing? They doing good though. They're doing real good, man. They uh. I, you know, because you know, because I got sick, you know, I haven't seen him in a few weeks. But uh, no, he's doing, he's doing good, man. How you holding up, man? Everybody's talking. Everybody's want to know how's that COVID, man. How how you holding up? Hey, like I'm, I'm probably right now. I probably say I'm about ninety percent now. I think I'm back, you know, back to where I should be. Um, every once in a while, man, like you know, I'll get a little short of breath. I don't know if that's just, you know, the, still the the effects of, of COVID, or brother just need to get back on that track and get in shape, but. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, man, like all the other symptoms are good. You know, I'm, I'm you know, virus free. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Hell yeah, man, that's good deal, good deal. And let's get Mr. Gregory McMullen. He up and making excuses why he didn't join last week. But let's go ahead and get the man out there. Greg, are you there? Yeah, I'm there, man. Want no excuse? Just bad at playing and stuff, man. Golly, <laughs> got some people. Hey. It was some people on there I could have cussed out, but whatever. You <laughs> <laughs> hit ass off air because he oh he cussed everybody in the chat off. No, I'm just playing. No, <laughs> I I really was hoping you get on last week because um it was surprising. Uh, to, um, segue over to last week episode. I was shocked because I thought we'll have much more um, of a united group on um, agreeing with the whole. Video with Cardi B and uh, with Mega Three Stallion. I thought we'll all agree, but it was shockingly that Brian was by himself. You know, I mean, I'm gonna step out of it because I hardly got to say anything. And well, matter of fact, Amelia, she always she's with Brian. I mean, she totally agree with everything Brian says. So she, they have to, yeah, she does. She like she understands where he's coming from. So I think them two were on a on one team, and you had everybody else against them. You know, and which was surprising because I thought it might be more people. Agreeing, but it was disagreeing. So, you listened to the episode last week, right, Greg? Yeah, I listened to most of it. I, what you think? I man? Been, Go ahead. I've been I've been busy. Yeah, because I got a new job. So okay. when duty calls, you know, I got like 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 Mr. Stallings. I got I got kids that that I need to take care of. So of course, of course. you know, I got a second shift position. So that's why it's kind of hard for me to do the podcast oh. and stuff like that. But I mean, kind of like what you said, you know listening to it it was actually shocking to hear that you know like the one i forgot her name the woman that 
we get you added that had a lot of different questions she wanted to address about is this how we raising our daughters to be and they don't have to really be focused on the traditional values of stay at home wife cooking cleaning doing all this stuff i was and like i just told you guys before we got on some of, i'm not saying that song because we can point to a lot of other songs that's out there but for the most part and this is something that we talked about in previous episodes. Do we really have control over our parental abilities because of how strong the environment and media has on a lot of these kids? I mean, like you say, we can be the best fathers we can be to our daughters, hell, to even our sons. Mm-hmm. But if what's glorified to them is the guns, the violence, the saggy pants uh shaking the ass and twerking and all this that and the third then and i'm not and this is the hard part because i'm gonna gonna use the word so what does it matter it does matter but what's the end result going to be i mean it's sad because before you could kind of gauge like oh my son is you know good at this good at that he's probably going to be this now it's like i don't even know (laughs) <laughs> like my daughter, my daughter is sweet. She's, you know, she's open about this. She works hard at this, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then kind of find out, damn, she a hoe. <laughs> no dad. And I don't care what nobody say. No dad wants a hoe. He gonna still love his daughter. He gonna still do what he got to do. But if that thought ever pops up, like, damn, that's heartbreaking. Because as a father, you think you failed. As a father, you think, you know, you're supposed to raise her to find a man that resembles what you are and then come to find out she just with every man. Yes. You know what? Let me ask you. Okay, let me ask both of you guys that then. I'm glad you said that. How do we prepare our kids or how do we keep our kids away from them type of actions, them type of, um, them type of events? Like you said, hoeing around, stripping, pornography. How do we keep our kids sheltered from that? Because if you're too sheltered, and which I'm going, this going to go into my episode next week that I'm going to be building up on. We talk about it later. If you shelter an individual too much, when they get a taste of, when they get exposed to it from outside their home by their friends, they're not prepared for what might happen how do we prepare our kids especially our females to not indulge in that type of lifestyle not to test them waters because kids gonna be kids they're you know what i'm saying we're all kids you know what i'm saying how do we stop that from going any further with them i see and that's something that i struggle with because yeah. i was uh you know i i was uh, i was the shelter student yeah. You know, I, I'll say it right now. I was a sheltered kid in the in the sense that, you know, like I said last week, we, we didn't have cable, man, until I got to high school. So, like, MTV, BT, I, I didn't see that stuff, man, until I got to high school. And so, you know, up to that point, man, it was just, you know, you know, Terre Haute, we just had to three, three local stations, 38, 2, and 10. So, Damn, yeah. so like, you know, um, but like you know, when I, I remember like getting to high school, you know, running, running to you, Sarah Scott kids, 
you know, it was like, like, wait a minute. What's <laughs> I'm like, hold on. Y'all talk a little different than what we did at Wilson. Hold on. What's going on here? You know, and like, I was in the island culture shot. You know, and then, you know, and then, like, what was crazy is then, like, when I got to college, I had another culture shock, you know, yes. it was just like, yes. like, like, I was in, like, you know, some, you know, I was protected from a lot of stuff. Yes. But, but I think that, like, you know, the way my parents raised me, like, it prepared me to be able to understand, like, yeah, people want to be doing these types of things, but that ain't for you. Yes. You know, and I, and I think, I think one of the things is, is that, like, we don't want to, you know, we we don't want to like just throw them out to the wolves and be like, "Hey, figure it out." You want to figure it out anyway, so mm-hmm. just go ahead. And, you know, what I'm saying, yeah, here, here, this is what this what's this is what we look like. I'm gonna show you, eighty eight years old, what we look like. You know, what I'm saying, no, mm-hmm. we we can do that. But on the flip side too, you know, keep some innocence. You know, what I'm saying, allow allow kids to be able to, exp- you know, be exposed to the world, like in a you know during a during a process to where that's age appropriate. Yeah, you know, and I, <clears throat> you know, it it was it's one of those things, man, where when you get a kid to understand like who they are, you know what I'm saying? Like understand like these are your personal values. Just because just because, you know, such and such and such and such is out here doing this and that, don't mean you need to be doing it. You know, and that was something that's something that my mom like, you know, had made very, very clear to me many a times is that, you know, just because you see them out there doing it, you don't be doing it. You know, uh it's kind of going back going back to our you know to our our first episode we did talking about like when I had to have the realization and understanding that, you know, if I had, you know, if I had like white friends as I here doing this and that or whatever, I can't go out there and do it. Cause if they get caught and I get caught, you know, my consequences might be different. So I was, I was very aware that, you know, not just if it was just white kids, but black kids too, that, you know, my consequences might be different. So that was enough to just keep me away from a lot of stuff. But, you know, but I mean, it didn't save me from everything. There was a lot of things, you know, I was curious about, you know, like, you know, and I, I wanted, you know, wanted how, how, you know, that, you know, worked out. And that was more to when I got to like into college. But even still, though, like, I think like, you know, my, my faith, you know, in God, um, you know, a lot of it was like, you know, <laughs> I was, I was scared to death by what God's going to do to me rather than what like anybody else would think. So I, I think a lot of it just comes down to like, you know, you prepare your kids to be strong individuals. And then so when they get out here in the world and they're exposed to all these different things, then they'll be prepared to be able to defend themselves by the stuff that they want to see. Go ahead, Greg. That was good. Damn. I think I guess I'm gonna play devil's advocate on both sides of this issue because in reality, do we really have control over what our kids do once they reach, say, 13, 14. I mean, once you start looking at your kids, I mean, you can instill everything they need to be successful, to be decent people. You can instill whatever you need to make them at least have a decent life, at least better than what you might have had, just as good. Who knows? But at what age do it become you're merely just becoming more of a fly or net to them, <laughs> you know, because I feel like we all get to that age where I think it's between that middle school years where you can't tell me nothing. I'm my own boss. I, I do what I want. You know, kids start to sneak out the house a little bit more, the experimental stage. And then once they get to high school, it's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's a scary thing because that's where a lot of the stuff start to happen. And like y'all just discussed earlier, what is sheltering a kid too much to the point where when they get that little, 
uh, taste of, oh, I ain't got my mom and dad there to tell me no. Let me go ahead and jump in at full force, or is it? Keep talking. Keep talking. Keep talking. But um, I just just look at your phones. You there? I just, I just don't. Uh, my biggest thing is I just, I just, I feel like we had a loss of hope. Like, like, like I said, not to be devil's advocate playing both sides of the field, but I feel like. Like, for instance, you could take the kid that's raised in a church from the time they were little until they are at a certain age, the preacher's daughter. That's the quote. That's the saying, the preacher's daughter. And that usually refers to the fact that you take the preacher's kids, they're usually the worst (laughs) because they've been so sheltered. They've been so structured and, and, and disciplined that the moment they get that one foot out the door because of college or life or whatever, though they are the worst. And I can I can attest from my own life. You know, I love my my aunt and my uncle. I love my cousins, but that's what happened. They were sheltered so much that when their daughter got of age, she flew flew her wings flew and she flew. She had whoo. And same with my cousin. He went from super religious structure to atheist God, like couldn't even recognize them because I think it's a lot of pressure that's being put from forcing somebody into doing something or being something particularly they may not be, you know? And I think a lot of things of what parents need to realize is parents need to let kids Instill the great values, the discipline, the integrity, the structural balance, the everything that they need, but then find a better way to when you see, because as parents, we should be perceptive enough to know like, okay, my child looks like they're more into this kind of crowd. Tell them how to manage it. Tell them how to, how to be with that crew, but be a part of it, be a part of it at the same time so they know when to fall back. And I think that's where a lot of parents fail to do. I think parents so focus on molding their kids and to what they want. But when you do, when you go against water, that's a tough thing to do. Man, that's a good point. Yeah. I think, I think like when you, you know, when you talk about like the preacher's kid and stuff like that, a lot of times we got to like remember too that, you know, just because a kid is like raised in cuz this is this is one this is one of the things that people like misunderstand about like christianity we'll say we'll say that um is that just because you're a christian doesn't mean that you're perfect and and so like you know there there's going to be growing pains for a kid you know to try to understand like you know, if I'm a Christian, these are the standards I live by. This is these are my beliefs and this and that or whatever. So, yeah, for a kid, for like a, a preacher kid, say it's difficult sometimes because you're in this world of where, like, you should know better. Like you should like like these, you got these high expectations that you should know how to act. You should know how to conduct yourself. You know how to carry yourself. But then, like, when, yeah, when you get that opportunity to, like, get out into the world, <clears throat> you, know, you lose it. And, and I think and I, and I think that, like. You know, because I, I saw I saw a statistic that it said like seventy five percent of kids who grow up in the church leave the church once they get into the, get to the college ages. So like you know, eighteen, nineteen years old, they leave the church. And I think that like 
that right there is not necessarily in an indictment on the faith, but more of an indictment on how <clears throat> how the kids were were raised. Because if you raise your kid to be like very legalistic, you can't dance, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, and you keep rolling out like all the things you can't do, then what's that going to do when they get older? They're going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Because you you didn't told this this child that they can't do these things rather than telling them, look, these are the things that you shouldn't do. And these are the reasons why, you know, and, that, and that's why and that's why I like I want to put out there for my kids, you know, because you know, I, I can sit here and tell a kid I can sit here and tell a kid, you know, my kids like, you know, you know, sex is bad. Stay away from sex. Da, 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 da. But then when they go out into the world, they see nothing but sex on TV and in the music and all that stuff. They're like, hold on, pops. Why are you sitting there telling me we can't do this? But then everybody else out here doing it. You know what I'm saying? Then it's going to feel like I'm holding them back from something, but I need to have that conversation to explain to them why. You know what I'm saying? Why is that not a good thing? And I think a lot of times, like a lot of people within the church, they just do a whole bunch of no, 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 but don't explain why. And so, and and that's a part of the thing is that like we, you know, whether we like it or not, we have a bunch of kids who want to know why. Like, you know, like it's it's crazy to me because like I, I knew, you know, you didn't ask why, you know, it would, you know, I, cause I said so, yep. you know what I'm saying? That was good. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays you got kids that like, they think that they need to have an explanation. So like, you know, so like, you know, unfortunately, you know, you know what I'm saying? You tell a kid to do something, you need to explain to them why that is and explain to them the consequences that come along with it, you know? And so like, and hopefully, you know, at that point they can grow to have some type of understanding of like, look, these are the consequences that might come from the choice if I choose to go ahead and do this, which my parents have tried to keep me away from from the beginning. Exactly. And I think with also, which is kind of also interfering with today's um, parenting skills or parenting your kids, things are political. And it started linking a damn household, which I hate. And you got this whole concept of the progressive movement, which is considered um, Democrat, you know, everything's progressive. Everything's moving forward. We want to see a big picture. We want this. We want that. We want everything. Um, we want just a fair equal um, equality for everybody. Just, it's a fairness, just the whole big picture. As in the conservative uh, mindset is what? Old school. This way it is. This way it's going to be. And I don't know why political got to be into the household. You know, how you raise your kid is bullshit. You know what I'm saying? If you want to spank your kid, spank your kid, you know? But now they want like, well, spanking leads to this, this, and this trauma. Man, bullshit it does. You know what I'm saying? I'm old school. I grew up this way. If you want to call it conservative, so fucking be it. It's conservative. I got my ass beat by extension cord. I got beat by a damn paddle. I got beat by any damn thing that was there if I messed up. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think there's nothing wrong for that. And why I mentioned about beating, I'm going into talk about also is what we see on TV, what we're teaching our kids. We all have girls. I don't want my girl out there holding around. Hell, I don't want my girl to do half the shit I did growing up in high school, you know? But I'm not going to be okay with it. What can I do as a father to make sure that she does not do what dad did? Or, you know, I don't want her to rely on a man to help her out and get her by throw her some pennies and some coins whatever to show her a good time you know what i'm saying like there's are women out there they're teaching their girls their daughters it's okay to twerk it's okay to dance like this it's like are you serious man i call that the hot cheetos and and orange pop generation right there that's what I call that. You know what I'm saying? I call that the hot Cheetos and orange pop generation because it's sickening. I've seen it on Facebook last week when I seen parents are okay with 
going back to Cardi B and Megan Three Stallion. They are okay with she making that comment. What um, I don't know how cooking a kitchen or some shit like that. I, I wish I can quote it for um, word for word, but I didn't write it down, so that's my bad. I do my homework. But there's a quote she said, and I see people on Facebook talk about. Oh, I feel that. I feel what she was saying. What? What do you mean you feel what she said? So when I was sitting there listening to Blowjob Betty back in '95 with Too Short. What do I was I feeling his shit? Hell no, I wasn't feeling his shit. But I like the beat though, you know what I'm saying? So our cocktails, you know what I'm saying? I grew up on too short. I love cocktails. Everybody know that, you know what I'm saying? And there was a I I'll be sitting here being a hypocrite if I sit there and say, I was not trying to bang every chick with that name he nip, he mentioned on there. You know, I, you know, Tina, Tina, da, 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 you know how it went, you know what I'm saying? There's not one guy that remember that song was like, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had the wherewith of thinking, I know this is entertainment. I'm not influenced by it, but I know it's entertainment. I think I, I think this generation do not get the concept and the small line between entertainment and realization. I mean, y'all agree or disagree? With that? I mean, I, I think I think even man, back when we you know back when we were coming up, people didn't get didn't get it, man. I mean, if if you think about it, man, the, the influence that hip hop had on on our community, man. Like I don't care if you from from Terre Haute, Chicago. You know, watch. It, it, it didn't matter. Like the influence that hip hop had on the community, man, was huge. Yes. And you know, whether it was entertainment or not, like it it set the tone for the culture. So, like, I mean, think about it. Starter jackets. Starter jackets. Starter jackets was big because of hip hop. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying? Cross cross color. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, you know, sagging. You know that all that stuff like came from hip hop, which. You know, which you know perpetuated like the, the the culture that you know we lived off of. So like, you know that that's one of those things. What I was talking about last week is that we can say like you know this music or whatever. It's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. But we have to understand that kids, especially, or or people who are just not maybe not as in, intellectually strong, may take that stuff and make it out to be reality. I mean, let's be completely real. You got grown men still watching WWE thinking it's real. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's like, let's keep it real, man. Like, you know, people out here, man, when they see that stuff, when they hear that stuff, they think that's reality. You have, you know, like, like let's you know, let's keep it real too. Like when when you have <clears throat> when you have like you know you know people who are not familiar with black folk, you know, and they see like the depictions that's that's of us in music and in media and movies and all that stuff, that is what they believe that who we are, you know? And so like, we can't say like, it's just simply entertainment. Only people of this generation can't see it. It's been like this for years. That's true. Um, see, and that's the, like when we talk about media and how it's shaping the young, the lives of our young people, I mean, that's that's why I say when we talk about parenting, it's the same thing. It, that's why I said in the beginning, do we really have control over our parental skills or parenting? Because there's so many outside influences and outside distractions and outside whatever that, like I said, you can do whatever you're supposed to as a parent and your kids somehow or because of media influences funnel their way to something totally against what you've taught. 
and it ain't got to be nothing as simple as religion or or the new movements with let's take uh with Dwayne Wade and you know his son now dog I mean there's so many different things that like you like Frank was elaborating to is the political part of it gets brought into the family home but of course it is because whatever the parents believe that's what they're trying to mold their kids into being so if you are like some people don't even know it, and I think a lot of people don't even understand this. Some people are who they are, but just by default. And what I mean by that is you got some people who are you got some people who are Baptists just because everybody in their neighborhood are Baptists, everybody that exists. Oh, well, I'm gonna be Baptist because I'm black. Everybody else that's black is Baptist. It was a church down the street, First Baptist. That's where my mama went to. I'm First Baptist, but they do no research on it. They do no nothing. So it's just kind of like they're molded into be what that is. And that's fine. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But and that's a very conservative mindset because it's kind of like holding on to your basic, you know, religious and political views and not wanting things to necessarily change. And then you look at the progressive side of it, which they will argue we don't force that upon a child. Let a child choose yes. which, which way they want to go. Let that child choose which belief they want to be. Because what if you force them into being a Baptist and then they grow up resenting it simply because you forced it upon them? Which, when you think about it, it, it makes some sense, but it doesn't because we're like, well, we were forced to do it. I turned out fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. And I get it because guess what? I was spanked and I turned out fine. I think, you know, I wasn't a statistic. So right. to bring it all back in full circle when it comes to, you know, the question that was asked, I think, I, I think we have to realize, and this is where it gets hard. Are you going to be the reason why your child has failed? Because I watched a lot of different shows where it's like, do I want to be the one introducing X, Y, and Z to my kid, or do I want the streets to be the one to introduce X, Y, and Z? Exactly. And that's really what the issue is because media plays a lot, environment and area you live in plays a lot, skin tone plays a lot. And also, you know, if the parents are around or not, it does have some contributing factors, you know. But at the end of the day, if you know your son likes to smoke or drink or do whatever, do you supply them to keep them not having to seek it elsewhere? Or do you fight against that whatever just to satisfy you thinking you're doing what a good parent supposed to be? And I think that's where a lot of people get confused because, I mean, that, that's kind of deep. Do you supply your alcoholic son mm. or do you keep forcing him and try to get help that he doesn't want? I don't know. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I watched Intervention. I didn't see real life stuff in my own life where it's like, Hey, she's not, she's going to keep getting her ass with by her boyfriend until she's ready to leave. You can go over there and beat him up 10 times. She still go be with him. So why do it? <laughs> so, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm just saying that's the tough reality. Yes, do you allow is. your kid to do something that you truly are against? But if you don't allow it, then they're just going to seek it from someone else. And I think that's why as parents, especially in this generation, I feel like our hands are tied because, I mean, hell, we catch more flack from the other parent than we do anybody else. You ain't lying. <laughs> you ain't lying. You ain't lying. 
we've got to tell our daughter to do this or son to do that. And the elder parent is the one giving me issues. Well, let me, let me, let me, this is kind of like, this is kind of like, you know, me as a, you know, as a father, like, this is kind of how I look at it now, you know, and I can only go, I can only go and come from the, from the Christian perspective. And I, and, and the way that I look at this whole thing and parenting thus far, I mean, I've been, I've been doing this for what, 11, 12 years now is I can only raise my kids in the direction that I feel that God is telling me or telling, you know, telling me to do so. Okay. And if I, as long as I'm doing that and doing it the way that he wants me to do it, I'll live with the consequences. If, if he, if, 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 you know, I'm raising my kids to be, you know, intelligent kids who love God, who's respectful, who, who, you know, treat people, you know, you know, with kindness and this and that, whatever, but they come out, you know, you know, out here, like, you know, wanting to, you know, kill people you know, or just do whatever, then it's like, you know, I'm, I have to trust, you know, the sovereignty of God and be like, you know what, God is over, he's, he's going to, he's going to handle them. You know what I'm saying? I've done what I could do, but bottom line is like, they're going to also have a choice of what direction they want to go. You know what I'm saying? I, I can, I can give them the keys to the car, but they're going to go and drive it wherever they want to go. And so, you know, so like, that's how I look at it. Yeah. It'd be heartbreaking. It'd be heartbreaking. It's like, hold on. That ain't how I raised you. You know what I'm saying? How how you how you gonna you know what I'm saying? Like like if one of my kids came and said, you know, Daddy, you know, you know, Allah, you know, you know, Allah is my is my God. You know, like as much as that would crush me, I would still have to put my faith in God and be like, you know, God, God will deal with her. Because because the thing is, because the thing is, I can look back at my childhood and my young adult years and be like, my parents probably looked at me like, what in the world? Like. That ain't how we raised you, you know what I'm saying? But I, but over time, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I came out to being a respectable, a respectable man, you know. So like, I just have to trust the process, you know. And I, and and you know, and so like, I can only do what it is that God wants me to do. And as long as I'm obedient to that, then I'll I'll take the chips where they fall. Mm, good call, yo, yo. That was good. That was good. But that's the same, and that's why, and that's and that's and that's the thing about it. Whether you look at it. From a Christian standpoint or just from a parental standpoint, that's how it should be. You know, like you said, if your son decided to praise Allah and that he's the most high and that's what it hurt you. But you got to put your faith in your God that is going to. He's going to give him a vision or give him the strength to find what's truly meant, what is really reality, per se, you know, what's really the truth and what you particularly believe. And that's why when it comes to religion, I, I've, I grew up Baptist and it was kind of by default. But then I started to read a little bit about the different faith and stuff because I went to a Catholic high school and I started to learn about Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, you know, Islam, Hinduism. And I started to realize, like, OK. And, and this is what I believe. I, I, I don't deem anybody wrong for believing what they believe in, whether it's, I don't care what it is. You can believe in a spaghetti meatball for all I care. <laughs> if that's what you want to believe, all power to you. Right. It ain't going to take away from what I believe. But what I will say is a lot of people, and this is one thing where I get into conflict, that is, I try to tell people each religion has something, each, let me rephrase, each branch of Christianity has some issue that, conflicts with another part of that religion so catholicism teaches stuff from the catechism and use that as their holy grail for how to live but that's not the bible 
<laughs> and then well, you have Catholicism. Catholicism is not Christianity, though. That's something completely different. No, no, no. Like, I, but I'm, but I'm saying, but in the, if you look at the umbrella of Christianity, Catholicism falls underneath that. The Catholic Church. Oh, no, that's, 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 not, that's not. That's what I'm saying. That's not true. Like the uh, the umbrella of Catholicism is own umbrella. You know what I'm saying? Now, no, if, you separate, now, now if you want to separate like Protestant versus Catholicism, that's a different story. But there's there like there are fundamental differences within Christianity and the, and the theology of Christianity that Catholicism is not even don't even associate themselves with. Like we we don't even use the same Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like like Catholics use the Apocrypha. We only have we have our 66 books. It's completely different, bro. So like like yeah like they they would they would like for you to believe that it's the same thing, but it's not. Oh, no, there, but, there's, but, there's but that's, attributes, but that's, attributes, that, there's attributes that are similar, but we're not the same religion. No, no, and but that's my point. When when you look at it on a very, when you look at it more fundamentally, you can always find those differences that makes someone not particularly belong in that particular instance. But what I'm saying is, as a as a default, based off of whatever history we learned about religion, about whatever we see out in the media, about what we view. When Christianity is talked about in that umbrella, in that realm, that's why I find it confusing sometimes because you can have Catholicism, but then you also have um, Holy Cross, you have Jesuits, you have a bunch of other, I call it branches, to where I feel like sometimes with religion, it's like shouldn't be an a la carte kind of thing. It shouldn't be, okay, I'm a Catholic, but... I'm gonna take a little of this, a little of that. I'm okay, cool. I got what I needed. Like it shouldn't be that way. And it's no different than Protestants. Protestants do certain things that other religions or other branches of Christianity look at and say, wait a minute. So you're just saying good works alone could get you to heaven. But I believe power of the scripture, that's going like like I didn't hear so many different things because I know people that are Lutheran. I know people that are Catholic. I know people that are Jesuits. I know people that are Holy Cross. I know people that are evangelists. I mean, so many different things. I'm just like, okay, I give up. <laughs> like, it's so confusing. So here, so here's the here's here's thing to minimize the confusion. This is this is like the, 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 the thing to, to keep in mind, like with this whole Christianity and the denominations and, and all that stuff. The problem that I would say is with all that confusion is this here is that oftentimes like we have the scriptures right but oftentimes what happens is is that we allow one person to dictate how we they, they, we, we allow that person to control our mind and to dictate what the scriptures are saying for example when we talk about the, the umbrella of Catholicism you have the Pope and the Archdiocese and all those other people, and they tell you what the scriptures say, right? You can go to the Roman Protestant, Protestant side, and 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 generally the uh, generally the, uh, the uh, you know black Christian church, you know, pastor such and such or, or deacon such and such will tell us what the Bible says. We don't read it for ourselves, you know what I'm saying? And if we do read it, we just read through it without the without the understanding or the context of what's going on. So then what ends up happening is, is then then you have the you have these people who are then now able to take these scriptures and to manipulate it and twist it into what it, if they they wanted to say. That's the danger of it. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Book of Eli. Mm-hmm. 
that book, that book, like I mean, that movie has some very interesting like parts that that talk that addresses this. Is because like the idea that if this man had a book, he if he had this book, he knew he could control people. Why? Because literacy, nobody was literate at that time. This was like post-apocalyptic period where nobody mm-hmm. knew how to read. He knew if I had this book, I could control the people's will and their thoughts by telling them this is what this book says. This book says this. And he could manipulate and make it say what it is. However, if you know and you if you know how to read and read in context, then you'll be you'll be able to have a better understanding of what the scriptures say. So my upbringing, that was the challenge. The, our challenge is always don't don't take you know my, you know our pastor would say don't take what I say you know don't take my word for it. Read for yourself. And he gave us the tools. He gave us the tools to understand and like go back and check behind because I could be lying to you. You know what I'm saying? Do your homework and, and read what this, what these scriptures are saying. You know what I'm saying? And then when you are able to do that, there's a sense of power and control of your spirituality that no other body, no, nobody can take and manipulate for, uh, from you. But if you sit there, you just go to church and you just listen to uh, pastor such and such or, or the Pope or whoever to tell you to control your mind and tell you what to think, you know, because the Bible said or God told me to tell you or and all that foolishness, then yeah, you're going to be off doing whatever. It's like, hold on, but but this church up here don't do that though. But hold on, this church up here don't do that though. But hold on, this but okay, what's the Bible saying though? You know what I'm saying? And and it's like and it's like you know it, it it's funny because me as a teacher, you see the same thing happening in the school in the class in, in, in the classroom. Our kids, heck, thirty percent of black kids in America don't read on grade level. You know what I'm saying? So, we, so there's something about reading we don't like. There's something about reading, and and if you can't read, you don't have control of your mind. You don't. Because then, then you now you're, sub, you're subjecting you're subjecting your thoughts uh, to some you're subjecting your thoughts and the controls to somebody else. Frank, Frank, I, I remember I remember our sophomore year we uh, we were playing uh, Center Grove. I don't know if you remember this, but I remember uh, uh, Center Grove and a co- one of the, the assistant coaches pulled us off into the, the showers to meet with all the black players. There's only about like six or seven of us that year. And, and they told us, and they told us in the, in the locker room before the game against the Grove, they said, hey, they may say some things to y'all. Mind you, they're talking to all the black players on our team. They may say some things to y'all to get y'all off your game. And, you know, and we were like, what were you talking about? Yeah. And it's like they made, some, they made say some things about your race or whatever to get you upset. Well, the whole thing is, is that Center Grove had a history of knowing of like, you know, Center Grove, for those who don't know, is a predominantly white school. And so, like, you know, and so, like, you know, they were known for, like, you know, calling black players niggas and this and that or whatever you just sure, to get them. You sure that was a Martinsville? Uh, sophomore year? No, I'm, I'm back We played Martinsville senior year, but this is our sophomore year. Because I, I remember uh, uh, yeah, this was sophomore year. We played Martinsville. Or, we, we played our freshman year when um, Earl Hannaford set the record on us in the section. Remember, they ran out of fireworks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that I remember was... that. No, this was this was so <laughs> yeah. we'll, talk about, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, that's a whole new yeah. We're going. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Keep talking about that. Yeah, dude, you're, yeah, you're. But bad. yeah, but yeah, but but the the idea of controlling the mind, and and I feel like, you know, I feel like when it comes to religion, when it comes to 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 like you know a lot of stuff that we got going on in the world, politics and all that. We're so emotional because we allow other people to control our emotions to where if, if you if we can control your emotions, we can control your actions. Mm. And so mm. and, and that's what and that's what I feel like, you know, like when we're talking about 
specifically about, about Christianity, you have a lot of people who think they got this idea what Christianity is, but no, they are spitting off of what somebody else has told them what it is. Mm. They haven't read it. They haven't read it. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, but like, you know, but talking about what we're specifically talking about here about as far as parenting, you know, I, I just, I just think that, you know, man, the more we become more, you know, uh, um, have, have, have a better understanding of being able to read and have an understanding of, of just, you know, uh, life in general and not allowing other people to dictate how to think and how to, how to believe that, you know, it's, it, it helps, it helps a lot. See, that's a downfall with black people. I think that white people know, and I'm not saying white people and like not all white people. I'm just talking about like reading um, history, slavery times. They know blacks wouldn't read. And you know that the best thing to do is keep a black man um, educated. Do not have a black man become educated because when a black man's educated, he become a threat in their eyes. Education, he'll know more. And they know, I notice on Facebook, just hearing people talk and stuff. Like I said, I use Facebook to gauge the interest of how everybody look at society. They think black people are dumb. They're not going to read. They're not going to research. They're not going to find out for themselves. They'll just look it up on TV or hear from word of mouth. And we do have that stigma about us that we won't pick up a book and read. And that's the scary part. You know what I mean? I think as a parent, we need to hand our kids a book and make them read every night, at least a half a chapter to a chapter to us. I mean, that's just my opinion, you know, and and um, I just, I forgot what movie I watched, though, but they were talking about, um, who was it? Um, 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 remember Underground on WGN. You guys ever watched that show before? Uh, yeah. Good show. Yes. And remember when, um, who was it? It was, um, oh, the, the, the young, the, the young man, um, I forgot his name, but he started reading and he got his eyes he got his eyes burned out. I heard that was common during slavery times. Is that true? Yeah, I mean I mean, yeah, you you definitely was uh made um as an example, yeah. If you show any any ability to read, um, you know, yeah, you definitely you were sold it they would it would do something to you, you know, uh to uh to make to make you as an example. I remember reading um in uh, Booker T. Washington's uh Up from Slavery. Yeah. He talked about he talked about uh how he learned like, I'm trying to think it was a it was a free slave uh it was a free free black man um from I think Ohio that that's, came down and taught mean, yes you know and, and you know and, and taught him how to read and taught him how to count and stuff like that. And this is after slavery. This is slavery. You know, after slavery, his dad was working for a salt mine or something like that. And the, the overseer was cheating his dad out of money. And he called and Booker T, young Booker T, he was a kid, called the man out. And the man was like, he's like, I will kill you. You know, like, you know, don't, like, don't, you know, don't. It was like the idea of like, don't think you all up and he's smart and try to use that against me, I will kill you. you know? And it was like that, you know, that same tone, you know, is what like, you know, that came from, you know, came from the idea of slavery. Of like, mm. you know, you, you, you're stepping out of place to show your, your, show your intelligence yeah. and trying to against me, you know? So yeah, that, that stuff happened, man. Mm. I read, um, back in high school, I had a teacher named Mr. Milo and he, <laughs> he, he, was a great. I think he was a great teacher of history because he didn't just follow the status quo and like, hey, this is what we're going to teach. He 
had these little excerpts and they were called slave stories, uh, stories from a slave perspective. And it was about a former slave who wrote these little in a journal. And they talked about how they used to trick, you know, their master or whatever into believing certain stuff and to manipulate them because they didn't know how to read. So they, uh, they, uh, come to him, he'd be like, what's wrong with this cow or what's wrong with these crops? And they make up some weird disease that existed and made the master believe that something was wrong with it simply because they were educated and they knew that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, knowledge is, like they always say, knowledge is power. And obviously the first, it begins with being able to read. And that's why when you talk about voting and stuff, some of the questions they couldn't even read. They couldn't read most 90% of the questions, let alone answer them. So, I mean, they found creative ways to continue to push back because they knew, you know, African-American literacy was, you know, pretty low. I mean, that's why they always emphasize back then reading and writing, reading, writing, reading and writing. You know, but, um, you know get, a, get a literacy test in order to be able to, to vote. Yeah, if you couldn't read, you couldn't vote. Couldn't you know, vote. <laughs> that's, you know, I, I mean, and that's the sad thing about it, man, is that, like, you know, we will sit here, you know, and I'm speaking for for the black community. We will sit here and fight for the rights of, you know, a Cardi B to be able to do the stuff that she does. We'll go out here and fight, you know, about police brutality. We'll go out here and fight, you know, all these other other causes. But when's the last time you seen a march about people marching about literacy, mm. black literacy? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You know. <laughs> you know, like that's our future, right? Like, you know, we have, we have a thing. We, it's, it's a problem. They, 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 you know, there, there's a direct correlation of, you know, kids who are illiterate by, I believe, like fifth grade, have like a fifty percent ch- higher chance of uh, being incarcerated. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that, that's that's where the whole the whole like you know school to prison pipeline starts at. You know, like if a kid can't read. You know, he is, he's limited in what he can do once he gets out of high school in terms of being able to make a living, you know? And so, like, you know, and if you don't if, if you don't have those skills to be able to, you know, to, to be able to, to, to make money to survive, then, yeah, you're going to resort to the, to, to the illegal lifestyle to be able to make that money because you have to survive somehow. So, but, but, we on, but this goes back to our beginning conversations on the podcast. That's the point. They don't give, like, for instance, we talk about why they're not marching for, like, the, first off, teachers do go on strike to protest about the lack of funding and the lack of resources, the failing grades and or tests that are state issued. They do go on, they do pose those issues. But the thing is, like, for instance, I, I, it was a story down in uh, Louisiana where pretty much, all the white people decided, you know what, we're going to get together. We're going to distance ourselves from the public school system because they don't, there is a lot of black people. The schooling doesn't have resources. They don't have anything. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to make our own little area and call it, oh, shit, I wish I remember it. They, they pretty much annexed themselves like Elkhorn did. They distanced themselves and like we are own group Damn. and pretty much started taking resources from that particular city and using it solely for their little small school, knowing they weren't going to bust black kids out there, knowing they weren't going to be able to, you know, 
include everyone. So they were like, well, y'all failing, but we got the resources to move the school to the suburbs, so they can't come follow. We're going to be all right. So instead of staying with that poor school system, they decided we're going to make our own just for us, and we're going to put up the rules and stipulations so it's almost like a loophole. So my thing is, and this is a better question, because people always talk about politics and religion, all this stuff, but they don't want to see little brown and black kids educated. Nope. They don't. I mean, because at the end of the day, if they did, what, 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 and I guess a better question, what are we doing to help combat that issue other than giving less and less funding? So me- what are we doing to combat that issue in terms of not providing necessary resources that are actually be, you know, beneficial to a young kid. And I'm not even talking about just black kids, just any kid, right. you know, cause like, you know, and my thing is that's where it gets difficult because I truly think, and I've been saying this for the longest, when it comes to the statistics that are on, that are for, that are about African-American, you see how disproportionately it's like, like we ain't shit. Point blank in the story. Like you look at those statistics and it's like, wow, they're doing this shit in our face now. <laughs> yep. And pretty much saying, we still ain't gonna help y'all asses. So what? Mm. Move to a they 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 think it's move to a better neighborhood. But if I could, don't you think I would? <laughs> oh man. And you know what? And to segue into that, we get what you're saying right there is so funny because um I see it's like politics, you know. I don't know if you guys have been following politics or not, and I don't know shit about politics, you know what I mean, just from what I'm learning on Facebook and watching CNN and Fox and reading, of course, and, you know, I just try to learn from everybody. But um, how much has Trump done for the education system for not only blacks but for poor Americans? And also... The voice, the vibe, the, the, the fuck up, yeah. That's the best he done. Right. Yep. Oh. What he, he done for Hood? He has Ben Carson... In HUD, and I watch some of those things. It wouldn't be like it'd be like your little um, local channel TV that the uh, for the political channel. Yes, I, I watch some of those. Like when they're doing the hearings, and I sit there and watch, and I'm like, okay, he the director, the boss, the big dog of HUD, 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 mm-hmm. and this fool don't know nothing. <laughs> he just he just sitting there. Both of them, the the boss, she she do Betsy, she do the same shit, but. They just sit there. They ask them a question. So the budget last year was X amount of dollars. I think that's correct. How are you going to be able to divide that up to them schools that are disproportionately targeted for low scores, low this, lack of this, lack of that? How can you combat that? Well, we're just going to get together later on. We'll figure that out. Well, well, I've been sending you letters to talk about this. You haven't got back to me. Oh, we'll get back to you on that. Well, do you, like, like it's like the most politically stupid thing to watch, but you watch it because it get people pissed off. Because if you're the director or something, and somebody's asking you questions about whatever it is you're the director of, and you know nothing about it, and your only answer is, "I can get back to you on that." How about you get your ass out? <laughs> like, how about you give it to somebody that's going to have that passion in them, that's going to want to make a difference, somebody that's going to sit there and say. Yes, the budget is $52 million. Yes, we did put $10 million over there. We saw that it didn't work. We'll put it over here now to see how it works over there because we see a lot of people complaining about Like, they don't do that. So when I look at the school system, 
and, and I've been through it myself. If you, I had, I was fortunate to have teachers actually care about me as a person. So that's why I can say I had it better than some people. But I think also you paying some of these public school teachers dirt, dirt compared to what they have to experience. And then I think that's where it, that's where it comes into conflict, which I'm not saying anyone in Trump's administration is responsible for that. But I think if you're telling the teacher you're going to make 43000 a year and you got to deal with the inner city school kids, I think that is kind of low. Because on a day-to-day, you have to deal with a bunch of nonsense that you did sign up for, but you necessarily didn't because they don't teach you that in your in your teaching program. They don't teach you how to deal with unruly kids. They teach you that blanket course on diversity, <laughs> but they don't necessarily teach you how to deal with somebody who deal with issues that you've never been accustomed to. And that same issue it with, is what the problem is with policing. You got people policing people they're not even with. That don't make no damn sense. Like I can't police somebody in a community that I don't even know nothing about. Exactly. I live 40 miles away in the suburbs, and I'm coming to work with a population I can care less about, know nothing about, don't pay taxes to. And now you're wondering why there's some divisive nature. Like, you know, like you can't, I, I'm a firm believer. You can't speak on something until you've been it. You can have an opinion on something, but you can't necessarily speak on something unless you've been through it. That's why somebody had asked me a question like, uh, it was on one of our podcasts, can somebody white be down for Black Lives Matter? And I said, yes, as long as you educate them and inform them about the black struggle, as long as you are able to let them know, hey, this is what I go through in day to day. When I get pulled over, this is how I feel when... I'm walking down the street. I feel a certain way when I wear a certain clothes. And you can tell them that to give them that little bit of a, 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 a insight onto how you may feel and your mental and your, you know, whatever. But they're never going to fully understand it because they're not going to go through it. You know, and that's my thing. If you're a cop or a teacher and you didn't think it was going to be this way, then you were basing this off of, Oh, I want to be a teacher because I like teaching, but I didn't sign up to teach these kind of kids. Then don't be a teacher. Okay. <laughs> See now, you know, you're you're touching on a lot of categories I want to hit on, and that's why I told you guys earlier. And um, I talked to you guys. Check it out. I'm we're gonna play this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, read a few comments. I want you to tell me either smash or dash. We cleaned it up. Technically, smash me and get the fuck out of here, and you're gonna explain why. Dash me. All right, there's a point behind that, and you're going to elaborate why. So I'm going to read something off the topics I got that I found off of Facebook on my phone from people pages that spoke about all kind of um, issues. And to be honest, smash or dash and tell me why. So let's go with the first one. Black Lives Matter is a terrorist group. Smash or dash? I got smash on that one. Though, though I don't agree with the organization. Hold on, hold on, Brian. It. Hold on, Brian. Hold on. I can't hear you. Yeah. Can you hear Brian? Um, can you hear Brian, Greg? Yeah, I can hear him. Is he sound echoey or not? Nah, he's sounding normal. Okay, must be on my end. All right, go ahead, Brian. Must be on my end. Uh, yeah, I'm a smash with that one. Okay. Uh, even though, even though I disagree with the organization, I don't think it's a terrorist group. Well, when I think about a terrorist group, I'm thinking of someone who's trying to. Trying to destroy the the 
livelihood of, of people. And, and I don't think that that's necessarily what they're trying to do. I think they're misguided. Um, but but I don't think they're trying to terrorize anybody. Um, a terrorist group, if they can, like, you know, like the KKK or, you know, um, you know, Al-Qaeda or, you know, some type, of, some type of joints. I don't see, you know, Black Lives Matter being a terrorist group by anybody means. There we go. We got a lot of people that agree that is, they are a terrorist group, especially a lot of white people on Facebook think Black Lives Matter is a terrorist group. And I'm still kind of curious why they felt that way, because what they uh, riot an area, they're looting. I mean, the BLM movement, it's not all black people. There's white people involved also. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, very true. Okay. Very true. And, and see, and, and see and that's, that's one of those things, man, where... There you go, you're better. That's the, you know, that, that's the ignorance that we live, that, that we live in. You know, if, um, you know, yeah, I mean, like they, they're, I, I guess, you know what, as you said that, I can see like how some could like equate that to a, a terrorist group. But then again, it's like, wow. how do you know that the, those who are doing the, the, the damaging and, and destroying, if they're actually truly a part of the group, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it could be just opportunists who are, this is an opportunity for me to just go tear up stuff. And I'm gonna go out here and throw my little BLM uh, uh, T-shirt on, and I'm gonna bust up some windows, and then go back home and you know feel good about it. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, you can't you can't necessarily you can't just throw everybody in that same group. Exactly. You know, uh, because I mean, I, I think you know organically, I think the group is thinking they're doing what is best and what's right for black folks, but I just think they're just misguided. Okay, Greg, <laughs> smash or dash, brother. Smash is you agree that it's not a terrorist group? Yeah, um, it's Smash or Dash. Black Lives Matter is a terrorist group. Either man, get the fuck out of here, smash it, or Dash. Man, you're right. They are a terrorist group. Man, smash that shit. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> kind of response. Not just player, bro. No, Brian H. Stalin know how I feel too. Shit. Uh, but uh, no, nah, man, like. I read stuff like that and I get it's disheartening because I like I said before on previous podcasts, don't let the looting and the destruction of property and all that other stuff take away from the fact that this is what it stands for. Now you dig deeper, you may find stuff you don't agree with, but nonetheless, I believe a terrorist group is somebody that's trying to infiltrate whatever it is and trying to bring it down, you know, which like he said, the KKK, for instance, they're <laughs> they're causing they wreak havoc on groups that they don't agree with don't like they discriminate against and it's shown throughout our history with hanging mm. or lynching beating rapings of black women so so is black lives matter the same hell no <laughs> like you can't even compare the two like black lives matter ain't, ain't at least from from what i've been looking at i've never seen somebody yell a group of black lives matter you know kill a couple white people and say, look, we did this in name of Black Lives Matter. Like, no. Exactly. You know, but we got a lot of history on them KKK members. <laughs> yep. We know about their rallies and them and them and them uh dollar sheets they wear. So <laughs> you know, but no, I smash that shit, All man. Right. No big Let me go ahead and play the smash. <laughs> All right, here we go. We got another one. Smash or dash. I have black friends, so I am not a racist. 
I'm going to have to smash that one, too. I'm going to have to smash that one, too. Just because you got black friends does not mean <laughs> that you can't be racist. Uh, I, I'll say I'll say this. Um, a lot of understanding like racism, like you can have that one black friend who doesn't necessarily fit in the in the groove, of, or put it this way, they don't make you feel uncomfortable. Right. They're accommodating to you, so therefore they kind of forget, they kind of make you forget that they're even black. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Because they're so accommodating to you. And so because of that, you what ends up happening is that you start feeling like, hey, I'm not racist because I, I got a black friend. You know, and it's like, well, hold on. You haven't been in a situation to where like what this black person, their thoughts, their views, their situations, their um their experiences has challenged what you believe. And then once that moment comes, then then you get to really find out what you really what you really believe about about black people. Mm. You know, I I have you know I have a friend in mind as I you know as I'm thinking about it that I'm quite sure I'm probably that token black guy that he probably goes around like I'm not racist I'm not racist at all I got a black friend you know and and like and that's because it's like when we have when we interact you know what I'm saying like he he feels comfortable he feels comfortable because like it's it's one of those things like where I can talk to him and he knows that I'm going to be level-headed on stuff. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, and, and call him out on his racist stuff. I'll say something like, dude, that's, that's the racist. Right. And I'll explain to him, he's cool about it. But I'm quite sure if he had that same type of conversation with someone who doesn't know him, you know, it wouldn't cut, it wouldn't fall out that way. It wouldn't go out that way. So, no, I got to smash that, man. Just because you got a black acquaintance, <laughs> don't, make you, don't make you non-racist. Smash, smash, smash. All right, Greg, smash or dash. Man, that's a smash, man. I hate when people say that. I feel like if you come up, oh, shit, I can't be a racist. I got a black friend. Yeah, you racist. You trying to protect yourself. Don't play me for no fool. Like, people, and this is how I feel. People who are racist try their hardest to try to make it seem as if they're not. They overcompensate. That's like with anything. But at the same time, if you are, and this is why I tell my friends, if you are racist or don't agree with certain stuff with black people, just tell me. Yeah. Don't be on no bullshit. Let me know so that I know <laughs> what your ass about. Don't be. A, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. His name is Greg. He's big as shit. That dude. That dude's like he's the next silver. But like no, motherfucker, just like you ain't gotta do that. I get you. Cool. I'm acquainted with you. I'm a, I'm a coworker to you. No need to elaborate. You know. But I I just I, that's always been my pet peeve with like. Oh man, I, I just I just hate it, you know, because then it's like you're recognizing something that clearly means you've been thinking about something racist, like because most people don't think like, okay, I have one black friend, okay, cool. I don't think like how many white friends I got, because it don't cross my mind, like they're my they're, they're my friends, like, but that's a smash, man. I, I just I hate when people say that shit though. It's a like. I had a girl say that before, like, oh my God, how can I be a racist? I have, I have a friend named, it was uh, my friend Dante. I said, if you know you got one friend, okay, right, you grew up with all white people then. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Greg, Mr. Greg. And that, and that, you know, that also too, man, that also goes for, you know, don't don't come out, don't go around and talk about, I'm not racist because I got black kids. Well, I ain't racist because I'm, I'm dating a black guy. Look, Look, same, same I hate, same I hate when the white women do that shit. Talking about, 
oh, I can't be racist. Like, they think they get a black car because they date a black dude. No, that shit ain't in effect until the black people speak, and we don't ever get those out. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I hate that. I knew somebody who dated a black man, and for some reason was, like, thinking, oh, you were, like, I was young, and I was on a, a basketball team, and, and she was like, oh, I guess such and such is on CP time. Now, me being young, I didn't know. I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? But then all the black women that were there, the older black women were like, oh, no, that bitch didn't. I said, oh, it's about to get crunk because I know the look. <laughs> I know the look we give when something about to go down. And sure as day, I heard them talking. It's like, she think because she got a black man, she can say on CP time, what gives her the, she going to get smacked in the, I said, oh, <laughs> color people. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, so I hate that too. When when white women think because they did a black dude, they give them a free pass to be racist. No, it don't. No, it don't. And if the man you would allow you to do that, he's stupid too. Okay, well, check this out. Our guest, uh, Mr. Carl Wood. Oh, I didn't mean to say last name. My bad. But uh, she want to come in. Go ahead, unmute yourself, girl. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Now you want to go ahead. Um, okay, Takara, you want to introduce yourself? Well, you can introduce yourself. No, we'll talk after the show. You can introduce yourself after the show. But, hey, <laughs> you hear us talking, so you want to smash it or dash it? Um, okay, so what I want to smash, so the first one you brought up, the, the Black Lives Matter. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I can see both sides. Okay. I'm a black woman. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Let me tell you why I can see both sides. I can see both sides because of the tenants. What people, what you got to understand, what our melanin-deprived people do, our white counterparts do, is they go and they read the tenets of the organizations. So when they're reading those 10 tenets of those organizations, they're like, oh, you want to disrupt the nuclear family? You want to do this? You want to do that? That is, in their minds, terrorism. Um, Because under the slogan of making America great again, we are being progressive and we're trying to destroy their, their country. So for them... They believe that that's a terrorist act. However, what I have to do with them is teach them that in our community, the nuclear family has never looked like the nuclear family in their community for the most part. And that started back with slavery of how we were taken apart from our families. We were sold. We were traded as a commodity. And so the idea of a nuclear family in our communities looks very different. Our nuclear family, for some of us, look like grandmama and granddaddy or grandmama or auntie or mama, or daddy, and it's not one parent, one mom, and one dad. So I can understand, I'm not saying that Black Lives Matter is a bad terrorist organization. What I'm saying is I can understand how some people get this notion. I'm all about the Black Lives Movement, the organization, I still struggle with a little bit um, because of some of the things that they've done. And I think that we Think before we speak sometimes, especially when we get a public platform. Um, and everybody wants to say they're a part of the Black Lives Movement when they're not. Right. So I can see both sides of that. Mm. Your second question was what? Okay. But I feel like Greg wants to say something. Go, go, <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> go ahead. Take it easy on him now. Hold on. Go ahead, Greg. No, no. No. The reason I guess the. And this is why I said to even the bride before. <laughs> That's the bone that was through to black people. It's like on a much smaller scale. It's like when we looked at Jay-Z when he joined the NFL and they're like, wait a minute, you joining that racist organization? 
But in his mind, it was like I have to be a part of the larger group in order to get something passed and done. That's how I think when you look at Black Lives Matter, like you're going to have people infiltrating in all directions, trying to discredit it and make it seem as if it's something bad, regardless of the mission statements, thing that they're preaching, thing that they're spewing out as part of what they are. But I tell people, stay focused on the message because it's like one thing like Trump, uh, 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 Frank always posts about Trump. He is a good what he he distracts the shit out of people, and it's and it, and, 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 and it's like almost like an art because he'd be talking about some shit over here while he robbing the people over here. You won't ever even know about it, mm-hmm. and that's the same thing with the Black Lives Matter movement. You see what happened with it, and then you out of nowhere they start putting up stuff to discredit it. And it's like where the hell did this come from? But out of the clear blue, they needed it to happen because if they didn't put that in their mission statement, there goes the funding. Because money, money is 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 what drives everything in America. I don't care what organization you are. I don't care what you're a part of. If your school, your hospital, your anything ain't got the money or the funding, it ain't moving. <laughs> it's a great idea with no backing. So when I come to the Black Lives Matter movement, and this is what I told even Brian before, we have to be, we have to question some of the stuff that's going on, but you have to be understanding that the bigger picture of it all is what we've been fighting for since Trayvon Martin case. And maybe even actually before that, because Oscar Grant and some other people is the police brutality and the, and the social injustice that exists in this country, especially amongst minorities is disproportionately overwhelming compared to our white counterparts. But then obviously as time goes on, like, like you said, they start to sprinkle in, destroying the family nuclear up sprinkling the lgbtqra okay oh wow okay wait a minute now they're doing all this other stuff so my thing is when they talk about being a terrorist group i think it's all just a ploy just to try to discredit something that's gained a lot of steam throughout the years that's progressing all right you had, i think the car you said oh, lg what yeah, they, they added another letter, I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, you're right. You're right, Dale. Yeah, you're right. You've been paying. They added another letter. LGBTQA. Yeah. I-A. I-A, not R-A. <laughs> oh, I added that extra R. It could be for something. I guarantee it. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what, Takara? I want you to stay on with this whole episode right here. Check this out. Okay, here's a... Oh, so, Takara, was it, was it Smash or Dash on both of them? Well, which two did you ask? Okay, I asked you about the black. Because you asked three. Okay, well, I, uh, no, I only asked you two because I'm I'm about to go to number three. Number two was the uh, I have black friends, so I am not a racist. Um, it's a trope. It's 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 what people use to hey, make them. Hey Brian. Hey, bro, she's from you. She's from Utah, by the way. So I am not from Utah. We'll t- hey, Brian, we'll talk off air. Y'all two's gonna yes, talk. let's yeah. please do that because yeah. this is gonna go up. Yeah, Brian. Right. So I need some yeah. details. Oh, not. Okay. Hey, Brian, uh, another, another, another black from Utah. Okay, hey, I'm not from Utah. No, no uh, there's a correlation that she knows. Let me just let go there. Okay, all right. That involves right. you. Okay, we'll talk about it after air. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, okay, let's go to three number three. Okay, I'm sorry. Was that smash or dash in Takara? It, it's a smash. Like it, it's just something that people use to make themselves feel comfortable. Just like if I lived, if I said, "Well, I'm not racist because I'm a white friend," like yeah. other people would look at you just as crazy. And I grew up in lots of majority white areas, so. Okay. okay. 
So that's a smash. Oh, we got all three smash. Let me play my smash music. <laughs> all right, here we go. Smash or dash. All lives matter and blue lives matter. What? The? Hey, y'all. You don't have to be a dash. Again. See, I'm asking because I'm going by what I've seen on Facebook, and y'all seen it too. Because when the Black Lives Matter movement was coming about, it was all black lives, and all of a sudden the blue lives start coming in. Now all lives start coming in. Now there's every damn lives that matters, but nobody failed to pay attention to the black lives. Frank, what I just say, they got to do something to discredit what black people do. They got to find some smoke screen. They got to start. Fi- okay, blue lives. Uh. I've never met E.T. I never met a Smurf. I never met what the what, what is the blue lie? A copy of the occupation. If you don't like your job, find a new one. Ooh, ooh, like ooh. I'm just simply saying, is wow. pink lives like nurses' lives matter? Yep. Is like like what are we starting to equate all this stuff to? Like it's a smokescreen to to try to listen. We understand the gist of the all lives thing, but let's put this in terms of what we're talking about. Black people are disproportionately more target in criminal, like incarceration and stopping for his program. We had called this spring cleaning, which is illegal search and seizure. We've been targeted in all aspects of criminal justice in the system in terms of something that baffles me still was if you get caught with a gram of crack cocaine, but you have 500 grams of coke. The Coke is the less lenient one because it was for the white folks and crack cocaine was more, you know, stricter, harder, harsher penalties because that was for black folks. People still can't even understand that concept. Like that was like, like, wow. Like you have 500 grams of Coke that can make 500 grams of crack cocaine. But that one gram is equal. Like it made no sense. But back to what we're talking about, that's a dash. Blue lives is an occupation. If you don't like your job, find a new one. And if you don't like black people, go read a book. Go get diverse. <laughs> find you some black friends, or you can say you got that one black friend that makes you feel comfortable. There we go, Mr. Gregory. That's a dash, he said. <laughs> All right, who's next? Smash or dash? I mean, I I, I agree with the, uh, the concept of the idea that it's, it's, a, it's a distraction. Um, I think that a lot of I'm, I have a feeling because I don't know what the rest of the questions are. But I have a feeling that a lot of these questions you're going to ask, they're all distracting. They're all distractions. The the idea of we don't want to focus on this, so let's talk about something else. Um, you know, and, and, and oftentimes now we all do it. We all do it. Like you know, if, if the heat gets put on us about anything, we want to change the subject. We want to blame shift. You know, what I'm saying you know, like you know. Somebody, you know, somebody did something wrong at work, you know, you know, they or you do you did something wrong at work and be like, you know, hey, you forgot to uh to send this uh this email. Oh dang, I forgot to send that email. Well, dang, I thought such and such was gonna do it for me. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we quickly like want to change like once the heat gets on us, we want to change the narrative or change the, the direction of what of what's really being talked about. So I think that that's what that is. Um, you know, but you know, on the flip side of it too though, I mean there is a problem when it comes to, you know, officers being attacked as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's, there, I mean, we can't act like it ain't there, but I think the timing of it is wrong. The timing of it is wrong. We are talking specifically right now 
about the issues of black black folks. So I think it's almost kind of disingenuous like when you come out and throw something else out there. You know, I, I know like that's like one of those, you know, relationship problems, like where, you know, you might go to your girl and be like, you know, look, man, like I got a problem with this because you be doing this, this, and this. And the next thing she knows, she come up, well, what about you? Yeah. You be da 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 And like, well, hold on, we can talk about that. Let's talk about what I'm talking about first, though. Yeah. You know, it's kind of one of those type of situations. <laughs> so what you say, you say, you say smash, right? Oh, so okay, okay, okay. Now, Mr. Carr, what you say? So, um, <laughs> I, I'm currently in Dallas, and as we know, that this is where one of the the police massacres happened. Yes, yes. Um, happened on my birthday. So. Mm. The idea is, for me, that, yes, Black lives definitely matter. No questions, no ifs or buts about it. I think that sometimes we get caught into, like, we can only have one singular focus and not understanding that blue lives do matter because, let's be real, when someone breaks into your house or someone's coming to do certain things, we're going to call the police. Um, I'm a concealed handgun license holder. I have plenty of firepower, but I'm still going to call the police. Like, I can't, I can't wait for them to get here. So my belief is that their, their lives do matter. You, you also mentioned all lives matter. That's a different concept for me because when you say black lives matter, you're never saying that all lives don't matter. You're saying that basically my life has not been valued as much as someone else's life. And so let's focus on what are the systematic or systemic issues that have kept my earning potential down, that have kept me on police radar, whether or not I've been a criminal or not, which I haven't, um, and all those different things. Like I've had my own situation with the police where I've had to work with the with the police department near me because I was pulled over without any regard, told that I was driving a stolen car. Mm. I happened to be a company car. Um, and yeah, so... In that moment, let me explain. Was that police officer right? No, not in all, in any way. Was I glad that his sergeant got there and dispelled things? Absolutely. Um, but I'm never going to say that blue lives don't matter because I think that, that they are doing something for our community. And yeah, it is a job, but we need people to have those jobs. And the fact of the matter is that we need more people who look like us to have those jobs. And if we don't value their lives, then will we want to go into that career? Man, Frank, what did you know? My ass got something to say. <laughs> Shut up. Hey, listen. And I and I said this before. You sign up for a job, you shouldn't get preferential treatment on how your life is determined. Like you should like you can't put a value to somebody's life based off an occupation because if all like for instance let's take it step by step if all lives matter then it shouldn't be about blue or black then right because blue don't even exist but okay we're throwing that in there so if all lives matter and that's what they want to preach then that means everybody correct but blue lives is an occupation like what happened that's like that's like healthcare workers saying Oh, uh, pink lives matter. We on the front lines of this COVID. We need to be more appreciative. It's like, wait a minute. 
okay, that's another thing. Wait a minute. What about firefighters? They're going to fires and doing a wait a minute. Now red lives matters. We gotta value them more to, like it's a it's a stretch. Like, yes, but we have not. to respect law enforcement. Because it is. Be, we have to respect because law these enforcement hashtags come and we have to respect after issues, just like when COVID hit. Everybody was on their balconies clapping and everything here for the for the nurses and the healthcare professionals. It's in response to an act. That's where these things come from. So it's not like no matter what the occupation is, like we do when fires happen, everything else, like when California happened and you had paradise burn completely to the ground, you did have the whole lives matter thing start there too. It's in response to the actions that happen. And I think we can't get caught. Okay, okay. so what's the action that happened that caused the Blue Lives Matter other than no, no, no. Black the, Lives July Matter? July 7th of, was it been four years ago, five years ago, when those seven officers were killed after that protest? That's when you started to hear Blue Lives Matter. Sure was. It was in, in Dallas? Dallas? The, the one, one in Dallas? Dallas? Yeah. In the Dallas? Okay, so we're talking about, okay, so... You said that happened in response to the Dallas shooter, which in terms of his affiliation, regardless of whether it was right. for black lives, that's the reason why he did it, whether it was just some crazed, deranged, right. whatever. So my thing is, what happened when, my thing is, we talking about an, a reason, what's the dude's name, Dylan Hood, the dude that yep. went into the black and church in and, and South Carolina and killed eight, was it seven or eight people? I want to say it was nine. Oh, sorry, it was nine. My thing is, people aren't targeting cops to be killed. That's my thing. I have yet to hear somebody say, let's kill all cops because we hate them. What we're saying is, blue lives are supposed to be protecting black people, but instead we're disproportionately being incarcerated for stuff that's like, really? Like, I've worked in the law enforcement range on the correction side and probationary side. I seen a guy get arrested for not having a, a reflector on his bike. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like, you got stopped and, and, and whatever, whatever, and got it. Like, my thing is, and Frank can attest to it too because he's worked in law enforcement as well. My thing is, I have yet to see, it's like, like, for instance, I have yet to see something like, oh, wait a minute. We're Black Lives Matter. We hate blue lives. We're not for y'all. We, we, we want to erase y'all. We don't need y'all. Y'all are useless, blah, blah, blah. No, black lives are saying we need to stop the unarmed killing of black men and brown people solely based off the fact that y'all are intimidated and scared of just what our skin tone brings, what my dreads may bring, what my six foot five, 340 pound stature brings. That's enough to get me killed. I don't see a like, for instance, if you take a cop and put him in normal civilian clothes, how the hell I know he a blue lie? You're correct. I don't know. So my thing is, so my thing is, I hate when I hear, yes, I appreciate law enforcement. I don't mind it. I love it. That's my career field of choice. I back everyone. But when it comes to Black Lives Matter, the statistics fit. Like I hate when people be like, statistic one is true, two, three, four. See, that's why we need more criminal, uh, more cops in these black neighborhoods. But then when you show them the contrary, like we're getting arrested more, now it turns to the stereotype. Well, that's because Jamal likes to steal. That's because little Dante, it's like, come on, man. So when it's one, two, three, and four statistics, y'all okay with that. But when it's on the contrary, where we're like, well, as black people, why should we get stopped and frisked and have all these laws that violate our civil rights? And it's like, 
well, just deal with it because his name is her name is Lashonda. She she must be somebody that's a criminal. Like then they start perpetuating these stereotypes as the reason why it's okay for cops to do what they do. And that's why I'd be like, okay, I appreciate all cops, but let's go back to the most noted case that's still being talked about. Breonna Taylor. She's sleeping in her damn bed. They went to the wrong house, shot her, shot her up. And it's like, mm, so be it. Or Ahmaud Arbery. He, regardless of what that man was or what they're doing, these were normal civilian people who were ex-law enforcement or let or ex judicial system. Yeah. 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 But yet this thing about this, they value white people's lives so much, they killed them. And if we never would have saw the video, would he really would have got arrested? It was two months after he got gunned down with a shotgun. We didn't know nothing about it until a video surfaced. Then they were like, oh shit, we gotta act. The black people mad. Hurry up, come on. Like, if I kill somebody, my ass is gone. Deuces, I ain't got to explain. I'm in handcuffs. I'm in, it's a rat. But white people kill blacks or cops sometimes kill blacks. And it's like, mm, well, he must have done something. You know, you know those people. So, <laughs> and that's hey, not right. So, Greg, just like we were talking about earlier, how you were talking about how you were tripping about, you know, um, Cardi B's, uh, uh, you know, video and all that stuff and I said that there's consequences there's consequences of the, of how we are perpetuated or how we are perceived within our within the world mm-hmm. this is the thing you have there is this idea this idea that's being out there that black people do not like police officers right because because we, for whatever reason is that the idea is that we don't like black we don't like police officers and then there's also this idea that police officers don't like black people so then when you have a situation where a cop is doing his job, regardless of what the reason is, where he can pull somebody over for, for no reflectors on a bike or, or they, they didn't arrive at the bank, whatever the reason may be, there's going to be automatic tension because I feel it when I get pulled over. I get pulled over and I'm like, oh, Lord, I hope I got a good one that's pulling me over right now because I already got in my mind that this cop may potentially not like me simply because I'm black. You know what I'm saying? And then this cop, when he pulled, when he walks up and he sees that I'm black, he might be like, oh, shoot, what's this big dude about to do? You know what I'm saying? Because he already has it in his mind. And so what I'm saying is, is that our culture has pushed and perpetuated this idea that we can't trust cops. Okay? Now, there are situations that, yeah, there are things, but guess what? You can go, you can go to, you can go to East St. Louis, you can go to uh, Watts, you can go to to, uh, uh, to Gary, where you got more black officers you know, in, you know, you know, in the police force and you still have, you still have issues between cops and, and, and black folk, regardless, regardless of what, it, what, what the color of the, of the cop is. And so what I'm saying is, is that we have to, we have to take ownership of what we are okay with being pushed out into the culture of saying that that's what our representation is because people are watching. So therefore, like, what, what do you expect? What do you expect? Like, you know, white folks who don't have a lot of interactions with us to think about us, you know, in these type of situations. Cause, cause look, you have cops that, that grew up in like, you know, Iowa somewhere or North or, or Nebraska, you know, something like that. And then they, and they get a job in Chicago. They get a job in Indianapolis. They get a, a job in, in Cleveland and they, all they have, is the, their only ideas of what black is is what they've seen in the media. So my feeling is, is again, 
we can sit here and say like, hey, these girls can do these videos and make their money. Or, you know, these rappers who, who go in here and, and, and perpetuate the idea or push the idea of, you know, forget, you know, F police and this and that, whatever. But there's a consequence that comes along with that. You know, and so there, we have to take some type of responsibility of what goes on as well when it comes to this black black versus blue uh, uh, situation. Well, you know what? I want. Oh, go ahead, Takara. I'm sorry. And I also think it's important to remember that policing and criminal justice system, like policing, is the low level of the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. So they are supposed to be there to find the infractions, to find the crimes. That is their their whole purpose. The purpose is not to keep us safe. In the sense, the purpose is to make sure that the laws are not being broken. And so it is their job, if they see you breaking a law or catch you breaking a law, to arrest you, to give you a citation. It is then up to, and this is where we lose it, it is then up to those judges and those prosecutors. And that's why the votes are so important. Who are you putting into office? Like we focus solely on these police officers, but you got to look at those DAs and what are their tactics? Um, to uh, committing, not committing, convicting someone. What is the judge's background? What what are these things? Like we focus so much on police. They're the front lines. And if you think about the criminal justice as a corporation, they're your low level, entry level employees. And so when you're talking about training, we do need to train them better because we do train them like entry level employees. And we treat everyone else in the criminal justice system as mid-management or executives. And so oftentimes I do think police officers get more of a punishment for some of these things. When we're talking about Ahmaud Arbery, we're talking about Breonna Taylor. Yes, those, in Breonna's case, those were police officers who did not follow the technical law for Kentucky. But when you're talking about Ahmaud Arbery, you're talking about a district attorney office who let that crap go. And so I think oftentimes we put our blame in the wrong place. And um, also with the blue lives thing is that while it is my occupation and I choose it, and I used to be a probation officer. So while I choose that to do that, I'm not one now. Um, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you, your life still matters. It, you still have every right to go home to your family. Do you know that you're at risk? Absolutely. But I think sometimes that we put the onus on the wrong person. Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Hey, that was good. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, that right there, I don't oh, know what to say. Free. No, 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 no. Hey, because the reason why, Greg, I have so many more smash and dash. I got like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight more questions. So we can't just dwell on this. We got a lot of podcasts. You ain't ending the show today. No, no, no. I'm not. I know. No, I'm not. I'm not ending it. I got like eight more questions for smash or dash. You know, what he's saying to you is, you can let him talk about. Subject because you can save those for the next exactly. show. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. We, we, we ain't got to get all eight out the way. They're going to be the same relevant questions next week and the week after. Okay, let me go to this one. All right, smash or dash. And like I said, what I'm reading from here is the comments I see on Facebook page that I see other people are talking about. So, this one right here, smash or dash. I stand for the flag and kneel for the cross. When you hear an individual say, I stand for the flag, but I kneel for the cross. Greg, you want to take over on this one first or not? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, 
read it one more time. You said, I stand for the flag, but I kneel for the cross. Yes. Do I agree with that, or do I think it's a bunch of baloney? Either or. Which one you... I think... Because this, I think this, a, is, this is going back from the Kaepernick now, and I'm digging back from the Kaepernick. You know, I've seen people, I stand for the flag, and I kneel for the cross. I think it's America. bullshit. I'm going to dash it. Listen, <laughs> do you know now, think about all the shit that Kaepernick went through. Yes, now it's okay to kneel. Yep. How? Like, think about it. This man lost everything to the point where he had top executive of companies, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, executives in the NFL, all the way up to the damn president saying, get his ass out of there. So what? And it's like, we don't want you. You blacklisted. You're done. That's disrespectful. But now, okay, it's okay to do it. Now, every sports team is doing it. Every political, like, it's just like, oh, it's okay now. But Kaepernick had to be the unwanting martyr of it, whether he knew it or not. But even before him, there were players before him that did it. They never just call win. Yep. And this is why people can say what they want. Kaepernick was so good and such a good ball player that the reason why it affected people was because he had a voice. Because he was good. Because if he was a has-been bench player, who would care? Kaepernick was still a really good quarterback. He had some, you know, some issues after the Super Bowl that he lost to um Baltimore, right. but he still was a solid quarterback. Yes, and the man. reason why it caught like it was like, dude, you're calling Kaepernick and you're kneeling. You're the quarterback. You're it's it's almost, and I'm not saying to this level of or, of, of or my favorite or my favorite, you're biracial. You come from a privileged family. Your mom is white. Yeah, yeah. yeah then it, then it, then exact that then it became. Wait a minute. You, you got a mixed family. Your mama white. You came from a privileged background. How you don't know what it's like to be black. <laughs> so my thing is it's crazy because I feel like whatever you do whether it's a peaceful protest is something internally that you truly believe respect the opinion of what somebody is or aren't doing but don't victimize them for it because at the end of the day that man had a right to do as he pleased and he didn't hurt nobody like people talk about oh it's disrespectful to Neil when the national anthem what about the other 10,000 people taking pictures selfies and videos and everything else Ain't that disrespectful too? Like you can't pick and choose what's respectful and what's not, and what's bad and what's not. And then come three, four years later, now it's like, all right, everybody, it's okay now. Don't worry, you're not going to get fined or penalized or get a huge fine. You're good now. Thank you, cat. <laughs> so that was. A they didn't even say, hey, they didn't even say thank you. They just said they just forgot about them. So I'm assuming Greg is saying that is a smash. Yep. <laughs> All right, who's next? Who won it? Dakar Bryan. So, so this is this is this is my my thing, and I as a, as a Christian man, I can't I can't ignore that there's this issue within the Christian circle. There are there are, there are a, a certain group of white Christians that they are so nationalistic um that it trumps the idea of what christianity is so in other words like they it, it's like it's like they're, they're the same christians that will you know omit the idea that okay like this whole you know black black folks have these issues and then they don't want to get involved because they could find some reason scripturally 
why you know they, they don't need to be de- need to deal with it. So this idea of like you know I, I you know stand for the flag and I kneel for the cross. The idea of kneeling is like to be submissive to the cross or submissive to to Jesus or you know and all that's good and well. But again, this is another distraction. This is another like one of those. Okay, we're not going to talk about why he's kneeling. We're going to talk make it about a national issue. We're going to make it about the flag. And that's what I personally have a problem with some of some of some of the white Christians is because let's stop playing the game. We know what this is about. We know what why he's kneeling. You know, say so he's talking to not now. You don't have to necessarily agree with it, but like let's not deflect the issue of what he's trying to protest. You know, um, and again, like like this is this is like been like a historical issue within the 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 Christian you know. Uh, culture because you know i mean heck you had you had you know during the civil rights during the civil rights movement christian you know a lot of white christians were very quiet they were very very quiet during the civil rights movement like, they didn't talk about the injustices and that stuff that was going on you saw cat you saw catholics getting involved you saw you know like other like you know uh religious and stuff getting involved with it but a lot of white christians did not get involved involved with you know the the uh, civil rights movement and so, you know, a lot of them believe that like civil um, uh, civil disobedience was sinful. So like, he was like, you know, that's wrong. You shouldn't, you know, if, if the law says this, you need to stay, you need to stick with the law. And it's like, you know, I, I, I think I think that's where a lot of that's coming from. It's like, you know, when you are the majority, you kind of like, you have the ability to kind of dictate what's really serious and what's really not serious. And I feel that like, you know, what, what they felt Kaepernick was, was kneeling for, wasn't serious enough for him to be taking the knee. And then they just want to throw some, you know, throw the, throw, you know, God into the mix to kind of, to kind of justify that idea, which I, which I personally don't agree with. I don't think that that's, that's um, the best way of handling that situation. So we got a dash from Mr. Stallings. What about you, Mr. Carr? It's very interesting because as I'm listening to that question, I'm like, oh, I guess I do belong to a, a Christian religious minority where we don't really have crosses. So I'm like, uh, we don't really know. Yeah, that was just a weird one for me. So that idea. But um, to stand. So here, here is my biggest thing. So I think a year or two ago, the NHL, the Stanley Cup finals were going on and um, the Las Vegas Knights were in the finals. And so this kind of like the cap thing and they were talking about, oh, he shouldn't kneel for the flag. He shouldn't. You got to respect the national anthem and you got to respect the flag. But during the national anthem, all of these fans and spectators, um, when in the song it talked about the Knights, they would like cheer and scream their team's name. Knights. And I was like, hmm. So if we have the sanctity of this national anthem, should they really be doing that? Why is this okay? But me kneeling for a flag or for the national anthem, not okay. And I think it goes back to what Brian says. If you're the majority power holder, you hold the power, property, and prestige in this country, you get to decide what's okay and what's not. Um, I am of the, I'm a free thinker, not Republican, not Democrat. You do what you want. Um, Have fun with that. That's just not one that I really get into. Like, I think it's wrong that the guy lost his career, that Cap lost his career. I think it's crazy that um, you have a ton of military veterans saying, hey, I fought for these people's freedom, so it doesn't matter. Um, And it's still this hot button um, issue. The other issue I have that now, though, 
is that the NBA, who was it back in the like late 90s, early 2000s? Mahmoud Abdul. Sharif Abdul Rahim. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Or no, not Sharif, not Sharif. Yeah, Mahmoud Abdul Rahim. Chris Jackson. Yeah, Mark, yeah, Chris Jackson. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that. There's this huge thing, and now we've got like we have this uprising in the country, and then you want to put Black Lives Matter on a court, on a field, like that changing some diatribe or injustice by putting that on the field or saying, oh, okay, you can you can kneel now. I, I just have issues with it all, so I guess I don't really have a smash or dash on this one. I feel like if that's what you feel like you should do, you have the freedoms in this country to do it. So go for it. All right, no smash or no dash on that one. That is quite interesting. Here come Greg Murray say something. Here come Greg Murray say something. He's like, she's a fit sitter. Yeah. No, no, I was going to. No, I was actually going to bring up Stalin's point. Okay. Where, like, like it's a smokescreen. Like, that's what I keep. That's what I've been saying since day one of these of the podcasts and stuff is. As a minority, we don't control the narrative. We can write some of the little excerpts and, and footnotes, but we don't control the narrative. It's, it's with the majority. The majority at that particular time, white people was like, what he's doing was wrong. And, so, and they started bringing in the religious aspect and the military and all this other stuff and said, to hell with what he's talking about. But then as they caught more wind, it was like, okay, starting to pick up. We got, okay, all these other things we're citing that's been going on. Maybe there is some validity to what's going on, but we're not about to give them a full-fledged pass to continue to kneel. So they try to kill it by, we're going to find you, or that's disrespectful to our military people. That's all this stuff. But then now you look at the idea, and I think Stalin said, his, they, they, they said forget about his message. Like, he was kneeling for social injustice. They said the hell with that. It wasn't important to him. It was like, so what? And now you fast forward to now, kind of like what you just said, Takara, is, Wow, now they put it on basketball courts, baseball fields, and it's plastered over buildings. They got light up sign. It's like they throwing us a bone. Maybe it'll shut them up. See, they got Black Lives Matter Parkway. They go shut up for a little bit. They got it painted on the street. They go shut up a little bit. We go arrest a couple of these cops. Okay, they go shut up a little bit. And then guess what? It will be another wave where it will be like, okay, like it was another one down in um, Georgia. When the man was, I think they said he was allegedly drunk in his car and he fell asleep. And then the police came to wake him up. And long and short, the guy, and this is where I got to, you know, basically the guy was like, oh, no, I, I can just walk home. He took the guy's taser and the cop, his other buddy shot him up, whatever. So, like, they give us a bone, but then something always happens where it's like, now it's back fresh in the mind. And now it's like white people are like, damn, we got to deal with it again. How well, I, think it's also, I think it's also important that we also understand that this isn't going to stop. Like, exactly. that, like we don't live in this microcosm of where people are like, oh, yeah, you have experienced all this injustice. And so now every person who has any type of power or legal situation is going to treat you in the right manner. Um, and I think that and I think sometimes for our own emotional and mental health, that we have to remember that so that we don't get too tired and too depressed and too overwhelmed so that we, we stop fighting because we're just exhausted. See, I got a question oh, for hold you. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Brian got to check out of here soon, though. I didn't know it was that late. We have, we're not even close to being done, so I'm up to safety topics. Brian? Hey, I got a question for you. Oh, I got a really good question. Hurry up. <laughs> hey, um, so why do you think 
white people fail to understand with all the statistics and data out there that points towards black people slash brown people are disproportionately targeted as criminals, as all these negative things, incarcerated more frequently, stopped more frequently. Why do you think the majority fail to realize that as a real issue? I think what it comes down to is the, the simple fact of if you, it is easier to believe the things that you've heard and maybe the things that you've seen that lead you back to the things that you've heard instead of actual facts. Um, I was having a, a conversation with a white male who um, I'm close with and is, I'm going to leave it there. But um, he... No, no, no. No, no, no. Not like that. I'll mess with you. No, no. I like that. Reaction. But, but, <laughs> but meaning in like... In, in a, like in the power structure is above me. And so he was talking about... You probably shouldn't talk politics at work, but we did. And so he made a mention about how black people just act differently, so we need more police. And so even though he has surrounded himself with African-American people or have black people who he sees and he knows that that's not necessarily the truth, what what he's experienced or been told his whole life is what he goes back to. And so... And in the middle of the conversation, he stated, you know what you're talking about and you have the facts, but I know how I feel. And I think that's what's so important is that so often we let our emotions guide us on how we feel and not necessarily the facts. So I think we get caught up in, well, if you look at the statistics, it proves it. Lots of people, and especially under the president that we have now, think it's all fake news. They think the statistics aren't real. Or you can find a study that will tell you anything is the thing that I constantly hear. And so, yes, um, I don't think, I don't think that most white people want to be racist or are trying to put black people or brown people down. Um, I think that we have, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. I think we also have shifted. African-Americans have shifted. We are tired of educating. (laughs) We're just like, go Google it. Go find out yourselves. Like, because there is so much emotional toll that has gone on in the last four or five years where we're just like, eh, not really feeling it. I'm not, I'm not your source, not your source, your dictionary or your encyclopedia. There we go. Um, so go figure it out on your own. It's kind of being pushed back a little bit because we do have to educate a little bit. There you go. Takara, Sorry, Greg. We, we, hold on. Brian, you're going to have to finish up. Um, we need you on Takara for real. I mean, I think. You make a you you and Brian and um, Greg can make some good <laughs> arguments. Really good, really good. But hey, I'm, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need Takara to come back through so we can revisit that. Uh, <laughs> I and, uh, address yeah, address I uh, Greg's concerns with black women because I'm liking the way she's sounding right now, and, and I, I think know. that she might set Greg straight on some of these views he got. A black <laughs> I know that's you a damn liar. Hey, Brian, I know you got to go. We all need to go ahead and wrap up. We're already in uh, hour 47. Takara, seriously, the, the platform is always open for you. You heard what Brian said. We want you on. I want to hear him tie this up so you and Brian can say something off air real fast. But, um, hey, um, appreciate everybody that's listening to the Sunday with Stallings. We love you guys. Um, we will go ahead, I promise you. 
We will finish just next week on the Smash or Dash, but we didn't get to them all. Thank you, Greg. But we will make sure we'll look out and um, get them out the way. If anybody that's listening out there that wanted to add to the Smash and Dash comments, please feel free to ask. Seriously, we love that. I think the Smash Dash is going to be a good hit, though. So, um, Brian, thank you, brother. Seriously, you did good, man. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me, man. Man, that's your As show. As always. Exactly. I appreciate it. And, Greg, um, we got to make sure you look tired. I know you're tired, Greg. And um, you're going to be on again next week with us, right, brother? Yep. Go on, just send me the right time. <laughs> oh, my God. And Takara, <laughs> hey, they want they want you. I knew I knew you going to be a – I knew you going to be a hit. They want you. So – well, you gonna, it's the ball's in your court, kid. Yeah, I'm traveling for work, so we'll see. We'll <laughs> yeah. talk about it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Don't y'all get off yet, though. But, hey, um, thank you for listening to the um, Being Frank Now show. This is a Sunday evening. We love you guys. Y'all be safe. Wear your mask out there. I know some of y'all don't want to, but, hey, you know, look out for one another. Kids, have a good week at school this week. We love you. doesn't matter your social economic skills, your social economic your race, whatever it is, I say, but I need her to get off of here because I'm running out of time. But I love you all. God bless you guys, and we out.